0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to the Echoes of Calvary, brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. And a very special Mother's Day greeting to all mothers listening this morning. Today, Pastor Elliot continues preaching Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Let's see that being a voluntary slave to righteousness has the wonderful growing product of of increasing in holiness. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert
1: Elliott. Some years ago in Los Angeles, there was a man walking down the street with a sign on his shoulders. The front of it said, I'm a slave for Christ. And on the back of his sign, as he passed you, you read on the back of his sign, whose slave are you? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Because all of us are slaves to one or the other of these two masters, sin or righteousness. We have no other choices. And by the way, the very nature of our humanity is that we are made to serve and to be controlled by forces beyond our own power. That's part of being a free moral agent made in the image of God. So it may surprise you, it may rub you the wrong way, it may be new to you, but at no time can we actually be our own masters. At no time can we actually function as spiritual free agents. Before conversion, sin was our master. And after conversion, God and his righteousness are our master unless in our flesh we revert to living with sin as our master. Now please watch this. Whereas we actually are never our own masters, we are, there are times when we think we are. When we do think that we are our own masters, actually we are living with sin as our master. When I think that I can plan to occasionally sin, because I am my own master, I have reverted to the default position of being a slave to the law of sin and death. And this is what Romans 6.12 is warning about. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And then verse 19 of chapter 6, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. When Paul says that I'm speaking in human terms in verse 19, he's referring to the then everyday human illustration of literal slaves and literal masters in the Roman Empire. And so spiritually speaking, you as a believer are not compelled to be a slave of sin anymore. But rather, you are a voluntary slave to Christ and to righteousness as you let the Spirit of God empower and guide and control you for that living. Now, please note something else. That both slavery to sin and slavery to righteousness have growing products that are very different. Slavery to sin's growing product is increasing wickedness. If you as a Christian present yourself to the law of sin and death and revert and live out of your flesh, the growing product of your choices and your living will be increasing wickedness. We were talking in the pre-service prayer meeting for families and marriages that we needed to repent as a church and as individuals and as a Christian evangelical community in the Bahamaland when we have lived in our flesh as believers And increasing wickedness has been the product of our lives. And people look at us and say, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. When believers present themselves in a foolhardy way to the law of sin and death as master, then increasing wickedness is the product of that life. But on the other hand, when Christians present themselves in the power of the Holy Spirit as slaves to righteousness, there's a different growing product. It's increasing holiness. That's what the person who works at your workplace who doesn't know Jesus Christ needs to see, your increasing holiness. That's what your spouse, who is not yet a Christian, needs to see, increasing holiness. That's what your teacher at the College of the Bahamas or in high school or in elementary school who doesn't know Jesus, that's what she needs to see. She needs to see your increasing holiness. When I transact at Super Value and Fresh Market and all the places I transact, what they need to see in the senior pastor teacher of Calvary Bible Church is increasing holiness. And so slavery to sin's growing product is increasing wickedness, while slavery to righteousness's growing product is increasing holiness. And these facts really are a restatement and an expansion of verse 13 in this chapter. See it, verse 13? And do not go on presenting the members of your body To sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The toolbox we talked about, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet, the tools, no longer present them as instruments of unrighteousness. But instead, present the tools in your toolbox to God as those alive from the dead. It's our choice. Verse 19, chapter 6. Am I speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh? For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. The basis of sanctification is to present yourself to the right master. It all ties together. And so what have we seen so far in Romans 6, 15 to 18? We've seen a question, and we have seen an answer to that question. The question we have seen is, may we occasionally plan to sin? The answer is, no way. Since, number one, we become slaves of whom or of what we obey. May we occasionally plan to sin? No way. Second reason, we obeyed God when we responded to the gospel. Why stop obeying God after conversion? May we occasionally plan to sin? No way. Since three, we've become slaves to God and his righteousness. Uh, Growing up in Canada, uh, my best friend, John Anderson, lived out every Canadian boy's dream a dream that probably only one Canadian boy in 30,000 or more realizes. John Anderson became a professional hockey player, and he played for the NHL Toronto Maple Leafs. I remember when he signed his first professional contract. It was all very heady, and he had lots of money, man. He had lots of money all of a sudden. He had fast cars he bought. He had fast boats he bought. But as that summer unfolded after he signed that first professional hockey contract, And he was to go to his first training camp in the fall, in the summer when I was at his cottage on the lake. My friend who loved water skiing, who loved speedboat racing on the lake, didn't either. He bought a fast boat with the money, the signing bonus, but he never used it. You know why? Because it was in his hockey contract that he couldn't. He couldn't do any risky activity or sport that could injure him, except if he did, he'd void his contract. My friend was seemingly financially free, but he was actually a willing slave of his master, the Maple Leafs. Now we move on to the last verses in our passage. It's two slaveries contrasted. uh, Two slaveries contrasted. Verses 19 to 23. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now shamed? For the outcome of those things is death death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. And the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's
0: time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Talk, and today we want to continue talking about what it is and the cost of following Jesus. Last time, if you remember, we talked about how there were great crowds following after Jesus, and instead of Jesus saying what the crowd wanted to hear, and even as you consider in our churches today, a lot of times the pastor may say what the congregation wants to hear, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to make you think, I'm going to You know, challenge the way that you consider the relationship that you have with me. And he says this in verse 20, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he's laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. And we left off right there last week as we considered talking about the cost. And in case you didn't get it the first time, Jesus continues on and talks about the cost of following him. And verse 31 says, Or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 To oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If not while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and acts for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus shows an illustration that we can all imagine as we think of a war. And as you think of one king having 10,000 and another king having 20,000, double the men. And here it is, we come against each other, more than likely the 20,000 people are going to beat the 10,000 people. You see, we need to understand that Jesus is making it very clear that we have to count this cost and say, am I ready to follow Christ? Am I ready to give him everything that I have and everything that I am? You see, verse 32 it makes it very clear that if we find ourselves in this position as a, as a king of one place we want to try and make peace with that that the other country because we recognize that we don't have a chance and I know that stories we can think of like Gideon and, and, and we know that even with David as God was on their side and they defeat him and praise the Lord and we know that if God's on our side we can do whatever but as we think about life today we got to be real and look at those things and we know that they were God things and we know these men pursued God and God is basically saying look you got to Think about the whole picture, because in reality, 20,000 men were going to be 10,000 men almost every single time. You see, verse thirty says, in the same way, therefore, if every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus wants to make it very clear that we recognize that we are giving him every single thing of us. We are giving God everything. We are saying, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing to do. I'm going to follow you no matter what. You see, I think so many times in our lives we think that we can, we can do this on our own. We think that, you know what, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, and I, we think that's enough. We, think that's a, we do it more of a duty and an obligation more than we really want to pursue Christ and give Him everything. You see this passage makes very clear that we need to renounce everything that is in Christ. We need to make sure that he is not just Lord, a part of our life, but he's Lord of all of our life. We are saying, whatever it is, you are Lord. You are in control. You are over me. Whatever you want me to do, do with my life. Use me. Bring honor to you, whatever it is. You see, when we have this picture of God, and we recognize that He is sovereign. He's in control of all things. We pursue life differently. We look at things around us differently. Because we recognize that everything in life brings honor and glory to God. It comes back to Him. And we have a hope that we can't explain sometimes. Because we know that Christ is supreme. And He has a purpose. You see, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about discipleship. And what that looks like and how we need to recognize that as we follow Christ, we are to give him everything. I want to ask you, what is it that you're holding on to? What is that thing that you say, you know what? I don't know if I can give this over to God. I've made these mistakes in my life and and, and I'm paying the price. And yes, there are consequences of sin, but we need to recognize that we worship a forgiven God. A God that paid the price for every sin, past, present, and future. You see, we need to recognize that he sent his son that paid this price and that we can never pay him back. But he is asking us to to give him our lives, to use for his honor and his glory. What more could we do? What more could we ask? I think too many times we think that we're doing God a favor, but no, no, no. He has done us the favor by us being a part of his family. Because we worship a good father, a father that is always there for us when we even can consider if our earthly father has hurt us in the past. And I know this is why some people have a problem to look at God as a father, but we need to recognize that he is different than any father that we have on this earth. He's a God that cares for us. He's a God that loves us. He's a God that wants to be there for us. So I challenge you this morning to really examine your heart and say, God, I want to give this to you. And I want you to use me to bring honor and glory to you and you alone. And whatever it is you have called me to, I am willing to do. Wherever you call me to go, I'm willing to go. And I just want to be used by you. And I think if we do that, if all of us did that, we would live we would have a better country that we lived in because we would all be pursuing the God that wants what's best for us. The God that loves us. I wanna thank you for listening. This is Pastor Nicholas. This has been another edition of U Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight.
1: Well, this morning, I'm very pleased and thankful to the Lord to have Sister Phyllis Newby in the radio studio with me. Good morning, Sister.
3: Good morning, Pastor Elliot.
1: How is it for you when you look over your ministries that God has given to you? When you look at a new uh, wave of leaders, uh, younger people, um, how are they developed? Where do they come from?
3: Well, the leaders are as many as can come together. Used to meet once a month, and in that month, once a month, we had Bible study, mm-hmm. and we had um, criticism critics. We had them. Um, we had different leaders direct the service, and we criticized what takes place. And that was how we started building up. And then we had we were blessed to have different um, Bible. Leaders from outside of Haiti coming in to share with us from time to time. Sometimes they came for three days or they came for a week, and uh, that was how we developed our leaders. Okay. Some of the leaders, a few of them, have had the privilege of attending a Bible school in Haiti, but not very many. Yes. Really, I started off by sending, um, couple of the young men to Bible schools in Haiti. I see. But of course, you can't afford it, so you do the next best.
1: You make your own best effort to train them. Right. That's good. What would you say is the um, average wage a person can make in Haiti?
3: Generally, with the American dollar as high as it is right now, it's about Between 90 and 92 Haitian goods to one U.S. dollar. Okay, yes. And so you can see that the Haitian money is not very... High on, um, it's better than the Jamaican money. Oh, (laughs) Jamaican money is uh, sometimes as much as a hundred and fifty, or maybe more. Wow! Jamaican dollars to one U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. It's much better, but it's still very low. And when you think of the wages that are paid to people, I am refusing to say how much it is I hate to tell people how much I give a school now I'm not talking about a teacher I'm talking about a school they want to start a school in an area and they said can you help us I said no and then they wait until sometime after and I said yes all I have is the equivalent of 25 US dollars a month and they'll take it for a whole school. For a whole school. Wow! And I have ma- many of the schools that I that I have. That's what they get. Mm-hmm. But they know that if they have if they have a death or a few, or some special need, a sickness mm-hmm. or whatever, then they can always somehow the Lord always provides that we can help them, that they can be helped. Yes.
1: Boy, um, I think it's easy for all of us to get a complaining spirit, but um, the Lord has blessed us in many ways, and as He's blessed Haitians, but to learn to trust Him. Yeah. Is there any uh, danger in being a Christian in Haiti?
3: Not really
1: good not really so no one is going to oppose the church with violence
3: um in the if in the area there are extra um vicious people you know with no, what is going on there now we are have, we are having all these um, warrings and so on if in the area we have those kind of people, they might attack the church. And depends too on what church it is and how the members of the church act towards these people. Yes. So it would be more isolated. More persecution. isolated persecution, right? Okay.
1: More and, and more personal.
3: And personal.
1: Okay. Right. What would you say to um, a young person? maybe in high school or college or working their first job who isn't sure but thinks that God may be calling them to serve as a missionary, what do you think you would say to that person? How could they know if that is God's will?
3: I would say that they should first talk to their pastor. Yes. And... uh, Make sure that they keep in the word of God. Yes. Because it's the Lord always confirms his word to us. Yes. He doesn't let us go wandering and wandering and wandering. No. He always confirms his word to us. We stay with the word. And sometimes if we still believe that, maybe because we hope for that word and we got that word, Mm. then... Get some praying, some people that you can trust and you love and you know they'll pray for you and get some praying people. Get at least three people who will pray with you Mm -hmm. and pray for you. And um, Mm -hmm. I believe that in that way you will really know for sure. The Lord, as long as he's calling you, he's going to make you know it.
1: Ye- yes, he he's revealing God. Right. And he, he confirms his will as we look to his word, yes, like you sir. said, as we get some pastoral counsel from yes, our pastor, sir. yes, and as we uh, summon other people to pr- pray for us yes, to know God's will. Yes. I like to say that God never plays hide and seek with his will <laughs> for those who are prepared to do it before what they know it. <laughs>
3: never heard it put like that pastor but
1: that is beautiful well praise the lord and that's what you've done but to god's glory yes. he didn't play hide and seek with you because you were prepared to do his will right. before you even knew what it was
2: that's right
1: and so you've been such a blessing to calvary bible church but to so many other believers
0: you have been listening to the echoes of calvary a radio ministry of calvary bible church Nassau Bahamas Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.